Hey there, folks. This is John. Welcome to the Bucky Cast. Uh, doing a late night episode tonight. Uh, really late night. Hold on while I adjust my kit. Look at that. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, late night episode tonight. Um, got got some news to drop. Mostly just um, filling in the gaps here on uh, on those uh, uh, season previews. We've got a little Badger news to report. A lot of women's soccer news to report. Uh, some stuff from football camp, and week zero is this upcoming weekend. College football season's like almost here. We've got six days, five days, six, six days, but it's almost here. So we're going to try and cover all of that uh, this evening, and uh, let's let's bang it out. Um, first off, we've got some news and notes. Uh, Muma Jong Meta. Now, last week, I could not remember what awards he was up for or what award was which. Well, it's it's all been taken care of now. He has been uh, nominated for the Lombardi Award uh, uh, watch list, which I could not, I, I thought was like not correct, but it turns out it is. The other two he's nominated for, but the Butkus, which we talked about last week, and then the Nagurski Award. So Lombardi Award goes to a lineman or a uh, linebacker. I believe Nagurski Award is the top defensive player, and then uh, the Butkus is the top linebacker. So three different watch lists for Muma, um, who's still a beast playing with a right with his right hand in a club uh, right now in camp. So that's that's you know pretty amazing. Um, then we've got a couple of, I, I have to keep looking at these because I think they're made up. Uh, one of them I get more than the other one. Uh, Kamoe Latu, who's safety for Wisconsin, he is on the Polynesian Player of the Year watch list. Um, evidently the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame gives out an award every year to their most, to the most valuable player in college football who happens to be Polynesian. And, um, I didn't think this was a thing. I've never heard of it before, but it, it's a thing. Um, and uh, Kamoi Latu is up for that award. Um, I'll be interested to see if he can ring that one in. I, safety is just not a position where that I think of when I think, you know, player of the year, but I, I guess maybe. Uh, the other one, and I, Tanner Mordecai got nominated for this. It's the Earl Campbell Award uh, watch list. And it's given to the top offensive player who has Texas connections. I don't know why this award is necessary. Um, you know, not being a, a, a native Texan, I guess, is the reason I can't understand this award. I'm fairly certain everyone in Texas is like, this is the best award ever, better than the Heisman. But this is evidently a thing. And since Tanner Mordecai is from Texas, uh, he is up for that award. Necessary? I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where that award is presented. I'm going to assume it's in Texas. I'm going to assume it's not like in a big national ceremony. Who knows? Anyway, uh, one other quick note, Wisconsin number 19 in the uh, AP poll. So good on us. Uh, we were 20, 21 or 22 in um, the, uh, the uh, coaches poll. So um, Wisconsin, you know, opening up in the top 25 in both polls again. Uh, hopefully they can stay in both polls again. We'll find out. Uh, 
let's see here. Women's soccer. We got some women's soccer has started their season. I attended um, last week's, uh, it was Thursday night, uh, the Kansas-Wisconsin uh, opening game. Um, a lot of kids there. Uh, Wisconsin really dominated that game, but they walked away with a nothing-nothing tie. Uh just after the first five, six minutes of that match, it was pretty obvious that Wisconsin was way better than Kansas. Um, they were just constantly in the Kansas end, uh, keeping the ball at midfield or or for, or in. Um, Kansas had like one or two rushes uh, in the second half, and other than that, really couldn't do anything. It's just Wisconsin just wasn't very accurate. They had some sloppy passing. That happens when your season's just started. But they failed to uh, capitalize on a number of opportunities, including Addie Boer's uh, penalty kick at the end of the first half, which I thought for sure she had gotten. But uh, Kansas's goalkeeper was not having any of it. Um, Aaron McKinney, uh, the Wisconsin goaltender, didn't allow a thing. I uh, didn't really have too much pressure on her, though. Um, the Badgers then went on uh, today to beat uh, the University of Illinois, Chicago, or UIC, one to nothing. Uh, the only goal scored there was by freshman Ella. Hold on, I gotta make sure I get this right. Ella Adi, Ella Adi, who is a freshman defender. Um, she was very impressive against Kansas too, and that may have been. Uh, from my perspective, because she was the defender closest to me uh, where I was sitting, but she was extremely aggressive um, player, just, you know, tremendous footwork, uh, really looks good as a freshman. She should be. She was she was on the Canadian, I think, U17 team um, or U18. So, uh, yeah, it was that's. It, only getting one goal out of these last or these first two matches seems like a really low total. Um, I I didn't get to go to the match today. I planned on it. I did not get to go. Uh, it just seems like a low goal scoring total. So hopefully they'll pick that up. But two matches in Wisconsin doesn't have a loss, so that's something. One zero and one so far on the year. I uh, wish I had more to say about women's soccer, but you know, when it's nothing, nothing, and one, nothing, I think you talk about the goalkeeper, you talk about the general team, and you talk about the person who scored the goal. And that's about all you can do. Anyway, their next match is uh, this upcoming Thursday, I believe, the 24th at North Carolina. That's going to be a tough one. North Carolina is the second ranked team in uh, women's soccer per the coaches' poll of this year. So, I do not anticipate a victory, but wouldn't it be great if they won or tied? That's one of those things where a tie is just as good as a as a win. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and let it let it play out. Men's soccer is done with their exhibition season. Their opening match is coming up on uh, the twenty fourth as well. They will be home against uh, let's see here Purdue Fort Wayne. I think I talked about Purdue-Fort Wayne last week when we did the season preview. Um, really weird university to play, but you got to start with somebody. So we'll see how Wisconsin does there. That's that's a match I plan on attending as well. We'll see if I can actually make it. Other than that, for other uh, sports, women's volleyball had their exhibition against uh, UIC as well. 
um, they wound up sweeping them in four sets. Uh, that sounds funny because there's only five sets. Three set sweep would be a win, but they played four. They, it was a friendly. And uh, Wisconsin won all of them. A um, lot of combinations were thrown out there uh, um, this weekend, um, including Yulia Orgel at uh, Libero, which, um, you know, I, I didn't know that she was actually capable of playing libero. She's an outside hitter by trade, but uh, apparently I, this stat was thrown out there. She had the second most digs. I have an itchy nose, man. Um, second most digs on the team last year, so it would kind of make sense for her to play that position. I don't think Golche Gutschdecken has anything to worry about, though. I'm pretty sure she's going to be the starting libero. Um, I think this is just to give them more flexibility, more options, because they're absolutely loaded on the wings at both the hitters' positions this year. Uh, Temi Thomas-Alera was also uh, very active in that game. Uh, or I'm sorry, that match. Um, she drew ooze and ahs with the serve, apparently. So um, the Northwestern transfer edition. Carter Booth and Anna Smreck were at middle blocker together uh, multiple times, and that was evidently an impenetrable wall, which I would expect. Um, Sarah Franklin was back. Great to see her out there. Uh, yeah, they just they went deep into the bench. Even uh, true freshman Sage Damro, who's a defensive specialist, got to play. So Wisconsin, uh, no matter who they threw out there, no matter what the uh, lineup, managed to pull off a, uh, a four-set sweep. So good on them. They start their season uh, this next weekend in Minneapolis, playing first Baylor on Friday night and then on Saturday playing TCU. So I think I'm pretty sure that's how the season started last year. I may be wrong, but I don't know if that's like some sort of a Big Ten, Big 12 challenge. I don't know. Uh, but those will be the first two matches again this year. Hopefully they can come up with a better result against Baylor than last year. I know they dropped uh, the match in five sets. So um, definitely want to win uh, those two opening weekends because they look absolutely loaded this year and you want to start off on the right foot. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, finally, we have a men's hockey note. Uh, men's hockey. Oh, there's one other note for men's basketball, but let's get to the men's hockey first. New commitment for Wisconsin. Logan Hensler. Uh, Logan is out of Woodbury, Minnesota, uh, a top defenseman. Uh, I think I read somewhere top uncommitted defenseman um, available who had 2025 draft eligibility. I don't know how that works out with like what class he's going to be in. I don't, obviously he's not going to be in this year's class, but um, you know, 2024, 2025, somewhere in there. Um, I think that both of the top uh, defenders in that class, or top, I'm sorry, top defensemen in that class are both uh, coming to Wisconsin. So that's really nice. He was on the U.S. Uh, national development team too. So good stuff for the men's hockey team. They continue to kill it in recruiting. They've lost a few recruits along the way, but that was sort of expected. And if they keep adding high quality recruits like this, then I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, some of the guys that Tony Granato was bringing in going somewhere else and Wisconsin bringing in a new crop of players. Um, you know, with 
can't can't be if they're if they're the same quality, can't be too much difference. Uh, let's see here. Finally, for men's basketball, uh, top prospect in the 2024 class, Con Knibble, will be visiting on Tuesday, September 12th. Um, that was out on Twitter. Uh, this is in the midst of a whirlwind of visits he's going to do in the month of September. Uh, I think that means probably a early October commitment. But that is pretty much the last player Wisconsin's on for the 2024 class, barring something strange. So, uh, yeah, Con Knibble would be a huge win. Number one player in the state, 6'5", small forward. Um, could has, has the potential to be one and done. Probably not. Maybe like a two and done. But um, Wisconsin's fighting some big-time competition. Uh, Duke, Alabama, Marquette, and then I think there's one other. Oh, yeah, Virginia. Uh, because Tony Bennett literally has to offer every single player that Wisconsin offers because the Bennett's have a vendetta against Wisconsin. Mm. Doesn't seem right, but that's how it is. Um, that's all we have for all the other sports. Let's quickly transition to Wisconsin football. We don't have a ton of notes, but the theme of this episode is a tight end, a tight end, my kingdom for a tight end. And that's because Wisconsin's tight ends all got hurt. Literally all. No, I'm kidding. There's still a couple left. Uh, the walking wounded. Um, I don't know what sniper decided to start shooting our tight ends in the leg. Uh, they should really find that guy because he's a maniac. Uh, Riley Nowakowski is out. Was seen in a walking, was seen, I believe, on a scooter. Um, not, not a, not a, bike scooter but like a leg scooter which is i guess pretty much the same motion of holding but not a vroom vroom scooter how about that um i could be totally wrong too maybe somebody else but uh no i know riley nowakowski's gonna be out for a few weeks um beyond that uh jack pew is missing uh for personal reasons the infamous personal issue personal reasons um personal issues that that sounds terrible Personal reasons. Uh, they don't know when he'll be back. It's up in the air whether he'll be back for week one, which is only literally less than two weeks away. Uh, that was still okay. Uh, but then uh, freshman tight end Tucker Ashcraft has been making a lot of noise in fall camp. He was running with the ones a little bit. Uh, he also now is hurt and um, probably not going to make it uh, out there in week one. On top of all of that, Angel Toombs, my favorite walk-on, uh, true freshman walk-on, also in a walking boot. Where are all the tight ends? We're down to Hayden Rucci, uh, who, yeah, I, I believe I put out a poll question of who would be the starting tight end at the end of the 2023 season. And he got the most votes. So that may have been what happened. I jinxed it. Um, I'm sorry, Riley Nowakowski. You were supposed to be the starter week one, but I, I screwed that up for you. Don't want to talk my throat dry. Uh, yeah, it's Aiden Rucci will, I'm almost certain, be the starter. Uh, they have the great ship JTC Greaves. The good old SSC Greaves, uh, I think, is still available. Um, beyond that, 
I'm trying, I'm racking my brain here, trying to think of any of the other tight ends who are still around. And I keep checking guys off like, nope, injured, nope, retired, nope, not available. Uh, Cole Dakovich. Okay. I finally dredged up Cole Dakovich from the back of my memory of the badge roster. So he's still available. Um, that's about it. Um, it's looking like some of those bigger wide receivers might have to play a little in line or figure out, you know, how to, how to run tight end routes because there aren't a lot of tight ends available. And none of the three guys who are available, as far as I know, would especially be considered a deep threat. I'm sorry, Hayden. I know you're Scary Alvarez's uh, adopted grandson this year, but you're not a speed demon. Solid. I saw a solid catch from uh, from Saturday, but you know what? I, you're not gonna you're not gonna stretch the field. You're no Will Pauling, especially because you're way bigger than he is. So, yeah, tight ends was the news from this weekend. A lot of tight ends out. Center Jake Renfro uh, is also out. Uh, injured himself again. I'm starting to worry that Jake Renfro is made of glass or some other fragile object, maybe ceramic. But Wisconsin does not have a lot of depth center. That means Tanner Bordellini has to play there. And that is not ideal because Tanner Bordellini doesn't, I think, really want to play center. Um, I'm sure he would prefer to be a guard. But um, outside of that, um, I don't have a ton of other injury news. Um, The wide receivers continue to look really good. They better because we're going to have to play a lot of them. Um, And they're going to have to get the ball off quick. Uh, if the offensive linemen keep, you know, getting shuffled all over the place, they still haven't settled on a starting five. So that's a little, that's a little worrisome, you know, less than two weeks away from the season starting, but I think camp is pretty much over now. Now it's pretty much, you know, preparation for their week one opponent, Buffalo. They may throw some other stuff in there, but I'm pretty sure that's the end of camp was this weekend. No offers went. No, I have no football recruiting news. Um, things may have happened, but as far as I know, there were no there were no offers put out to new recruits. So uh, I, for once, had no recruiting news. However, as as anyone who's listened to the Bucky Cast probably knows by this point, uh, I've been doing opponent previews, uh, interviews with experts from from the opposing team, or who are fans of the opposing team. Um, I was unable to get three of them. I was unable to find anyone to commit for those. Uh, Illinois, Northwestern, for obvious reasons, I could not get anyone from Northwestern because um, I I let off every email and direct message I sent out with, I'm not going to ask a ton about the Pat Fitzgerald situation other than to acknowledge it exists. And still no one, everyone was like, you know, no, we can't do it. It's way too chaotic right now. We don't even know what the team will look like. So I was like, all right, well, we won't get that interview. And then I simply flat out refused to ask any Minnesota fan or a person to uh, do and to to be on my show. It's just not going to work out. This is is a Minnesota hating podcast and... uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't have a U of M person or someone associated with the team on here to explain the, that crazy 
circus cult show that goes on there. So I'm going to do them myself, much to the chagrin of Illinois, Northwestern, and Minnesota fans. I'm going to do them. Illinois, is Luke Altmaier a good quarterback? They better hope so, because if they don't have good quarterback play, Illinois' offense is going to be kind of sunk. They may still have a good running game. They've got an experienced offensive line coming back. Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams, both all Big Ten caliber players on the left side of that offensive line. Other things are a little bit unsettled um, on that offensive line. They did, I think, lose their center and a right tackle, but um, not enough where I would expect a huge decline in their offensive line play. The problem is they lost uh, Chase Brown, who was their do-everything running back last year. They're down to... They have Reggie Love, who's finally starting to emerge. Uh, Reggie Love was a, a player that the Badgers wanted, but um, not uh, hasn't done a whole lot until last year. And then Rodney McCray, who's a big, hulking, like Braylon Allen-sized tailback who keeps getting hurt. Um, so those are their two main guys, as far as I know. Um, if there may be other running backs that have emerged since then. Um, particularly in camp, but uh, I was unwilling to dig, dig really deeply into uh, what's going on in camp for them. So uh, yeah, they, they have in, they have not the running backs they had last year. They don't have the same quarterback, obviously. Um, They still have good wide receivers. Uh, Isaiah Williams, uh, Pat Bryant, Casey Washington are all good receivers. They still have that going for them which is nice. Uh, tight end Tip Ryman, um, I think is a former walk-on, but, you know, comes in that mode of, you know, the 6'5", 250-pound tight end who can block or leak out and catch a pass. So they should have a very solid offense this year. Um, how solid it is is going to uh, be determined by the quarterback play. And honestly, if Luke Altmeyer can't do it, who's a transfer, uh, then... I don't know who else they're going to get. Um, I don't know that uh, Brett Bielema has recruited anyone into that offense yet that is a solid prospect in terms of high school. That being said, their defense is freaking amazing. Uh, Keith Randolph Jr. and Jajan Newton are their two uh, NFL caliber defensive ends. They're still only juniors. Um, in theory, they could have two more years of eligibility after this one. I don't think it'll make it that far. I don't think it'll make it past December, to be perfectly honest. I think both those guys are headed to the NFL. Um, they have a couple of different players who can play nose tackle for them. Uh, they have good depth on the defensive line. Um, all these are Lovey Smith players, which just goes to show Lovey Smith actually might have known what he was doing in recruiting, although he apparently knew nothing about coaching college players. Um, Tariq Barnes is still at linebacker. I feel like he's been starting linebacker forever at uh, Illinois, but he's still there. They have Gabe Akis. I know it's spelled J-A-C-A-S, but it's not pronounced that way. It's Gabe Akis and Seth Coleman is their other outside linebacker. Both of those guys are really good. Um, and then they have Ezekiel Holmes still, I think, back there. Um the, the list goes on and on. They, they're very deep at linebacker, and they became deep very suddenly last season. But they've got a lot of edge rushers. Their secondary is a little bit thin. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL. Uh, Tavion Nicholson will be their starting their, their number one starting cornerback, and he's a solid player. But other than that, they're going to have to work in a couple of transfers. 
and uh, some younger players, but they've got all sorts of potential. Uh, I look for that game uh, to be the first one where Wisconsin is really, really, really going to get tested. Um, Iowa is at home. I think the Washington State game, while it's going to be probably a little bit like a lunatic asylum, is still a handleable game for Wisconsin. Of course, I said that last year and look what happened. Uh, but at Illinois is like that to me is, is kind of a scary place to go right now, especially considering this team whooped us last year, granted with a completely broken team at that time. Uh, but I will be at that Illinois game. So hopefully, hopefully my attendance, which usually propels Wisconsin to a win, will be enough. I can only hope. Well, that's it for Illinois. That's that's as much coverage as Illinois gets. Um, very quickly, Northwestern, um, it's all about Pat Fitzgerald or the lack of Pat Fitzgerald. No more Pat Fitzgerald. Um, they're... Um, new defensive coordinator whose name is escaping me right now. I think it's David Brown or Braun, but I could be completely wrong on that. Um, is going to be their head coach. I don't even know their head coach's name. That's how sketchy this one's going to be. Um, the offense has been miserable for Northwestern the last couple seasons. They haven't gotten a good transfer quarterback like they had in 2020 uh, when they last won the Big Ten. West and uh, you know it, it, it's just ugliness. Ben Bryant, who is entering his eighth season in college football, I think, um, and has is going to like his sixth school, will be their starting quarterback. He's out of eligibility options unless he gets hurt in the first four games. So he's pretty much what they're hanging their hat on. If they can't get him to go, then Brendan Sullivan, who's a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, who played last year, but. You know, he showed flashes, but couldn't carry that offense. They don't have uh, their running back from last season, um, uh, Evan Hall, uh, who was a thousand yard rusher. And that takes a big chunk out of their offense. They still have a bunch of, of fairly decent backs, but I don't know how many explosive ones they really have. Um, their wide receiver core has been has been a nightmare for a couple seasons. They did bring in a couple of guys in Cam Johnson from Arizona State and A.J. Henning from Michigan who could make an impact uh, with big plays on that offense. They also still have Bryce Kurtz around, who is uh, sort of a bigger-bodied possession receiver. But, um, yeah, Bryce Kurtz is um, not a game-breaker by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they're solid receivers, but they need a quarterback to get the ball to them. They also have solid tight ends, Thomas Gordon and Marshall Lang. The offensive line loses Peter Skaronsky, the one of the best offensive linemen in the Big Ten last year. Uh, first, first team all Big Ten, first round draft choice in the NFL, playing essentially out of position at left tackle. But uh, uh, the rest of the offensive line that they return, uh, there's no one there that I'm looking at going, wow, that's an NFL player. Nope. Defense has been miserable. That's why they have a new defensive coordinator who's now also their head coach. Um, I don't know if it's going to get any better. The core of that defense is three linebackers, Bryce Gallagher, Grayson Metz, and Xander Miller, who are all roughly the same size, about 230, 235 pounds, about 6'1", 6'2", and who still have, I think, another couple years of eligibility left after this one. 
but they have been, they started all of last year. They were at least contributors the year before that. They've been around for a while. Um, that is the heart and soul of that defense. The secondary is an absolute disaster as compared to what it used to be. Uh, they do not any longer have um, really any cornerbacks of note. I think Garnet Hollis is the only guy that I can really bring up in, in my mind is like, hey, that's a guy. Uh, one of their two starting safeties decided to transfer after the Pat Fitzgerald firing. Um, so he is Jeremiah Lewis. He is gone. And that leaves Coco Azima and then um, a bunch of guys. Coco Azima is a player at safety. Um, on the defensive line, they just it's, it's a bunch of dudes. Sean McLaughlin's a bigger defensive end. He, he was solid in a 4-3 defense last year. Um, Najee Story is a smaller, like 6'4", 285, smaller defensive tackle, but who, who showed a lot of promise. He's a sophomore. Um, but there's really nothing on that defense. Now, I say that, and they could knit together a good defense. If you have a good core linebackers, that's always a good thing to have. But unless they get better defensive line play and can get some coverage in the secondary, it's going to be like the last two seasons. Um, they just, they don't have the players anymore and they don't have Mike Hankwitz or Pat Fitzgerald around to, to help paper over those problems. That being said, I, I can't honestly see Northwestern with the Pat, Fitzgerald, the Pat Fitzgerald chaos, which has been well-documented and which I've commented on before on this show. Uh, I don't see them doing anything or really going anywhere. Uh, unless, you know, they pull one of the all-time us-against-the-world things and um, go play way over their heads. Um, Ryan Field used to be treacherous. Um, now the last two seasons, they, I don't think they won at all there last year. As a matter of fact, they did not. The only place they won was in Ireland against Nebraska. But, um, yeah, they... They don't, they don't stand much of a chance. I feel kind of bad for Northwestern. I'm pretty sure this entire coaching staff is, is just coaching out until the end of the uh, season, and then they're all being either fired or just quitting. Uh, I can't imagine any of them staying on unless they do a great job and win the Big Ten West or something like that. But other than that, I just really I – don't, I don't see them going anywhere. Um, one final – team to go over i hate going over them but i have to do it the minnesota golden gophers Grr. um yeah what can i say uh, they got the greek rifle how, how he got the name of the greek rifle when he started like three games i i don't know but um, he did really well against wisconsin last year i have to give him credit for that he threw for a lot of yards against a pretty good badger defense that being said, uh, very inexperienced, only a redshirt sophomore. Um, at running back, it's going to be a mishmash. They don't have Mo Ibrahim anymore. They can't, you know, hand the ball off to him. So it's going to be transfer Sean Tyler. It's going to be uh, a couple of true freshmen. Anyone else they've got back there, I think it's almost practically a committee. But we'll find out. Um, they've had true freshmen play really well for them. And Darius Taylor is a really good player. Wisconsin tried to pull him away from Minnesota, but wasn't able to shake him. So he's a four-star, 247 composite back. Um, we'll see if he eventually winds up coming out on top in this one. Um, wide receiver, they brought in a couple of transfers. Corey Crooms, um, 
who came, I think, from Western Michigan, and Elijah Spencer, who came from Charlotte. They're both pretty solid um, group of five wide receivers. Um, I don't know how they're going to play at Minnesota. I just I have no reference point. Um, Spencer's really big and is evidently really good at catching uh, the jump, the contested ball, the jump ball. Um, bigger wide receiver at six foot two. They still have uh, Daniel Jackson. That doesn't sound right to me. The kid from Kansas. Um, anyway, uh, they still have him. They still have um, Lameke Brockington, who took Wisconsin apart in the game last season. Um, from that foursome, they should be able to get uh, somebody back. Oh, yeah, they have Chris Ott and Bell around still. Still. Seventh year of eligibility. Seventh. That's crazy. He's approaching uh, Tommy Boy territory. I think he's at Tommy Boy territory. He's going to take over his father's business once he runs out of eligibility. I don't know. Uh, offensive line, I don't really know about this one. They have had way better offensive lines in the last few years, but graduation in the NFL have really taken a toll on them. Um, I don't know if it will be the quote-unquote Minnesota moving company like it was the last few seasons. It could be. Um, they're, they're playing an awful lot of guys who are in their sixth year of eligibility or um, are walk-ons or transfers. So um, they do have some pretty good players. Quinn Carroll, who's going to be at right guard, that's probably his best position. And then left tackle Ty Ursary is also a really good player. So they could. They could have a very good offensive line, but overcoming the loss of John Michael Schmitz, I don't know. He was probably one of the top five centers in college football last year, second-round draft pick. That's um, going to be a tough one to get over. Um, let's see here. Oh, I can't, I can't forget about Brevin Spanford, another guy who's entering his 80th year of eligibility. Um, big dude. He's going to be an NFL tight end. He's six foot six, six foot seven, like 260 pounds, and can get down the field and catch the ball. And he can block. So that's going to be like that's a potential like second, third round pick in the NFL draft. Um, age might be a concern considering they think he's like 24 now. Um, gotta be with all the eligibility he's used up. But um on defense. They don't have much of a pass rush, not much of a proven one anyway. Um, they have a transfer from North Carolina, Chris Collins. They've got a fairly decent uh, outside rusher in Jod Joyner. They've got a lot of guys that they've talked about. Kyler Baugh is a rock in the middle. Um, Minnesota fans like to make out that every single player that P.J. Fleck has recruited onto their defensive line is going to wind up in the NFL as a first-round pick. And that pretty much doesn't happen, but, you know, it, so it's hard to tell from, from the reporting and from, you know, trying to review all this stuff, how good they actually are. I'll say it's, it, it will probably be a solid defensive line, especially against the run. Uh, the linebacking core revolves around Cody Lindenberg, their middle linebacker, who is, um, was terrible as a true freshman in 2020 and has since then gotten progressively way, way better. So he's pretty much the rock of their defense um, in the middle. If he gets hurt, uh, they're going to be in trouble. They don't have anyone to replace Cody Lindenberg. Their linebacker core, uh, they brought in transfer Ryan Seelig. They have Devin Williams. Those are their other two linebackers that I know by name. Everyone else is a redshirt freshman or lower or is a walk-on. 
So they need Cody Lindenberg to stay healthy. Um, in the secondary, they still have Tyler Nubbin. Tyler Nubbin uh, was probably going to be a first-round draft pick. I think he could have been a second or third-round draft pick this season, this last draft and, and just decided to come back for another year of eligibility, his COVID year. Uh, has been starting since he was a true sophomore. He's a really good player. I'm not going to lie. He's probably comparable, except taller, than Antoine Winfield Jr., but sort of comparable in terms of skill set and what he brings to their secondary. Um, Justin Wally is going to be their starting cornerback. Um, we know, Badger fans know what Justin Wally's done to us the last couple of seasons. Everybody after that is pretty much a transfer or unproven. Uh, I mean, I think I've said that about almost every position group on defense for the Gophers. So Joe Rossi's a good defensive coordinator. He'll, I'm sure, pull together a solid, if nothing else, solid defense. Um, it all depends on whether, you know, the hype around uh, Ethan Kaliak-Manis is, uh, is real or not. You know, is he the guy who played against Wisconsin, or is he the guy who last year threw more interceptions than touchdown passes? I don't know. Uh, a lot's going to depend on that. A lot's going to depend on if that offensive line gels and can they can move the ball effectively. They're supposedly going to a more pass-heavy offense. Can all those transfer wide receivers get worked into that um, offense? Can they can they gel? Can they mesh? They've got two new offense co-offensive coordinators to replace Kirk Sriracha. Um, I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm going to call it at that. Um, three previews in one episode is, is plenty. Um, I, for results, I think Wisconsin um, probably almost definitely beats Northwestern. I'm going to call that one a definite. Minnesota and Illinois depends on how good the offense is and how many injuries we have. Both of those games are kind of are kind of iffy. They're both on the road. They're both against teams that were solid last year. Um, I'm going to call them both coin flips for now. Uh, we'll see what happens after the first three games for Wisconsin. Um, if they can go 3-0 through those, then I might tilt decisively towards considering the Badgers the favorite against both. On that note, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at the BuckyCast. I'm sorry, the, the app formerly known as Twitter, now X, just X. Um, otherwise, you can uh, check us out on YouTube, uh, look us up on Spotify. You can send us an email. No one has in months, but you know, I, I keep I keep trying to to get this out there. Uh, we are the Buckycast43 at gmail.com. I put some content out on Instagram. As I do more stuff, I will put more Instagram content out there. Um, until then, until the next time, this is John. For the Bucky Cast is saying, peace out, people. <laughs>